1: So awesome to have you here on if you don't like that i am so excited for today's guest he is one of my favorites just what a class act great guy that is coming up in just a moment but first i want to tell you that today's podcast is brought to you by new works plumbing of sacramento locally owned for over 20 years leak detection water line repair bathroom plumbing new works plumbing is a full service plumbing solution no matter how small or how large your plumbing problem They've got a fix for you. And remember, they're available 24-7 for all of your issues. Just go online to newworksplumbing.com. That's N-E-W-W-R-X Plumbing.com. As mentioned, so excited to introduce my guest today. He was on the podcast back in the fall. You see him on CBS Sports with Iron Eagle, the NFL Network. Truly one of my favorite guys. It's a pleasure to welcome Charles Davis to the podcast. Charles, how are you, sir?
2: I'm wonderful, Grant. It's terrific to hear your voice. I trust you and your family and all your loved ones are doing well, and uh, all of us continuing to fight that good fight and try and stay safe out
1: there. Oh boy, isn't that the case? You know, Charles, I always uh, love talking about the quarterbacks in preseason because I think people have yep. a tendency to go way overboard based on what they <laughs> see with quarterbacks, and uh, you know, yeah,
2: we, we, we do. We do tend to do that, don't we? And I say we. Because I'm part of it. You know, you and I have had this conversation, I think even off air, over the years we've known each other. Isn't it funny how people who, you know, come into the media game, right? You know, whether you're an analyst, a play-by-play, you're covering it, whatever. But a lot of former coaches, players, other people, well, I'm not really part of the media. I'm just doing this. No, no, you're actually part of it. (laughs) Right, right. Good, Good try. But no, actually, you are part of it. If you're doing what we're doing, that's who we are. So that's why I say we all the time.
1: You know, like, for instance, the other night I was watching the Chargers 49ers game. And if you didn't know who any of the players were, you would look at Eason's stick, all right? And you would say, wow, that guy's the starting quarterback in the NFL. (laughs) He's pretty good. Right? Yeah. So I just think that we overreact and I think that people get carried away. I've always thought that if you are good, in other words, if you are as advertised as a quarterback you should look better than not in the preseason because you're not going against a first string defense you're not going against defenses that plan and scheme for you i've always thought that if you're a a, a quarterback that has high aspirations in the nfl if you're a high draft pick and you look terrible in the preseason i've looked at that more as a red flag
2: yeah, yeah, I think everything you just said is 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 on target and it brings up everything you just talked about. But let's say you and I are in, you know, in tandem, you know, you're the head coach of the GM and I'm the other right and we go through all the evaluation process and we decide we want quarterback A. And somehow our number comes up and quarterback A is available and we take it. We're all enthused, right? If he gets out there and through two preseason games, <laughs> they right. have trouble breaking the huddle, right? He misses on throws. He looks you know, he looks a little jittery and skittish. Guess what? You and I are standing in front of a media, po- you know, at a podium, and they are firing questions at us left and right. What made you want him? How does he look so far to you? He looks a little skittish dust. Yeah, it is a red flag. It causes consternation during that time. The other part of it is other guys can come in and look absolutely great but what I've always subscribed to is something that, look, I'm not a great admirer of every person who's ever coached or done done things. But in the 84 Olympic trials, Bob Knight was the coach of the 84 Olympic team. Mm-hmm. And any person who got hot on offense, there was a guard forward, okay? And like, they were really playing well. You know what the litmus test was? Jordan, go guard him.
3: Mm-hmm. Then right. we
2: found out if he could play or not. Great okay? point. That's kind of where we are when we talk about you know, the hard part about evaluating is preseason, you want to take these kids who are showing out in practice. You want to run them against first team guys, but in game situations, it's not likely to happen because not many people are playing their starters. That's why these joint practices are a big, big deal because most of joint practices are one versus one. Everything is live except for what, Grant? You can't the hit the quarterback. Taking guys to the ground, right? right? You, yep. can't, you can't hit the quarterback, but, you know, when a guy busts sure. through a hole, you got to hit him up high. You're trying not to take his legs, you know, all those sorts of things. But everything else is live one-on-one action. So that's where you try and sprinkle those guys in and see what they're giving you.
1: Charles, Dan Marino's, they were few and far between, meaning that um, you, sure. didn't, you didn't see rookie quarterbacks. Come in and excel. It was so rare that you couldn't believe when it happened. Now, you see a lot of young quarterbacks, whether you look in the last two years, you know, Burroughs or last year with Justin Herbert when he took over. Why is it that young quarterbacks now are able to have early success where it used to be so foreign in the past?
2: Oh, boy. Well, this is all my own theory. Grant, I don't think it's anything that could be proven but it feels like, you know, over time, I think it, it would have a chance to be in the conversation, okay? One, we start much earlier in terms of being specific about what we're doing. Remember when you and I were kids and you hear all those stories about the European block countries would identify the athletes by measurements, scientific testing, and go, yep, this kid's a high jumper, this kid's going to be a sprinter, this kid's a weightlifter, and whoosh! they take them from their families and they would train them to the, to the and We were like aghast, right? Oh my God, what are they doing over there? Well, what are we doing here? Oh, my kid's going to be a quarterback. So I'm going to get him a quarterback guru. Okay. And he's got his own quarterback coach from the time he's eight. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that as a put down. I'm just saying, this is where we are now. So part of it is that the next part is, these kids are playing at higher levels at a younger age, right? These camps that we're going to—I don't know about the camp you went to, went to—you know—the camps you went to, Grant, when you were a kid. But I can tell you, it was a big deal for me to go to the Billy Paul basketball camp at Merritt College. Hmm. Okay, the Whopper, yeah, right, yeah, ABA player with the, with the New York Nets, NBA uh, ABA champ, sure. wonderful guy. Okay, but it wasn't a—you know—elite only camp. It was hey, whoever pays their money shows up to camp. Right. Then the better players get identified, but it didn't really translate elsewhere. Now, what are you doing? You're going to these big time camps where they're identifying who the elites are and they go to more camps across the country and they get to know each other and we come up through the ranks. Like the first time I heard of Herschel Walker, I was probably a freshman in college or or, or a senior in high school and saw him on CBS, uh, you know, with Jimmy the Greek and and Brett Musburger when he beat Tennessee on his first night as a a freshman. Mm -hmm. Now, you hear about Herschel Walker when he's twelve. Yeah. Okay. So, so these kids are precocious. You know, I went to college. You went to college, and remember when upperclassmen would give us that look, and we'd be like, "Okay, we're yep. I get a little out rambunctious here." They don't do that now. These kids come in, look at the veterans, like, "Really?" Tell you what, dude, you'll be on the bench by next week because I'm going to start. <laughs> now, there's a healthy aspect to right. that because that kid's coming in to compete, but they don't the, the deference thing and all that. And last but not least. Okay, let's go back to you and I in the dinosaur age. That game was, that we played of, of, of high school football, Grant, was between the tackles or maybe the tight end box. Hmm. Now it's spread out, and these kids are playing it. I mean, my, my high school coach, God rest his soul, John Ford, it would be third and five, and he'd, he'd send in a pass play, and I'd hear from the sidelines, if it's open, take off and go.
1: <laughs> 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 Love it. Now? Yeah. That
2: ball's being thrown 35, 40 times, whatever. I'm not, t- and I'm not exaggerating. Go watch the game. Like think about the state of Texas that was wishbone central. Now it's all air raid. Yeah. Spread it out, throw it around, and these kids come in having made more throws in high school. And all of our heroes made their entire NFL careers. And it's just a whole different ballgame.
1: Charles, I don't think fans understand about chemistry in a broadcast booth. It does not happen overnight. It happens over time. Last year at this time, you were getting ready to work with Ian Eagle for the first time, but you had the pandemic. There were no in-person meetings. There were no preseason games. How different is it for you now starting the second season working with Ian after having a full season under your belt with him?
2: Well, I'd love to say that it's everything Grant, like, oh my gosh, year two. Woo But I will tell you, I an Eagle, and you know how fortunate I was before him, I was with Kevin Burkhardt. Yep. And before that I was with, you know, I was with Tom Brennan. And before that I was with with Gus Johnson. I've been with people who have the ability to make you better just by being with them. Mm-hmm. And, I have, and I've worked with and Every one of those guys that I named, you could go into the booth, you could spend time with them, and you could get comfortable pretty quickly. Like they, they, their goal was to make sure that you did your job as well as you could without infringing on them doing their job. So, the, you know, there's a personal aspect to it. There's a professional aspect to it, the whole deal. So if you come in ready to work, if you come in ready to be a good teammate, if you come in ready to do all the things you're supposed to do, these people that I just named, and those are just the, my most recent four. That doesn't mean other people I've worked with aren't like that, but it's just my most, 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 most recent four. They all did that, and they did that very well. And I, you know, let's just use our last two, Kevin and Ian. I'll just say it, if you can't get comfortable and do your job well with them, really something wrong with
1: you. Yeah, you're in the wrong business. You're in the wrong <laughs> yeah. business, right? Sure.
2: Because <laughs> those, those guys are great. So I made it wonderful wonderful for me right away. Kevin did the exact same thing. Gus did that with me. Tom did that with me. Tom and I go back to doing the BCS stuff. Wow. So, you know, all those guys did all of those things really well in terms of they wanted your, their partner to be good because the better their partner is, the better their job is. And I would say easier. It's just that it makes it more comfortable for them to do their job, but they're not having to cover for the guy next to sure. them. So quite- they're invested that way. They, you know, absolutely invested that way. But they also invested in good people. And that's where I really <laughs> have been fortunate to. Every one of those guys is a great, great person, great individual. Look, I know Tom had his bump. Am I going to judge him? You know, <laughs> are we going to judge all of us on the totality of one thing? That's ridiculous. Okay. I know him in a different light. And, and 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 I know him as a guy that would have given the shirt off his back for me and, and so many other people. One mistake doesn't doesn't define anything out there as far as I'm concerned. And you and I both know how that how that should really well, should go in our society.
1: I know I know how it goes because I've been living yeah. through it for 15 List, months, and I'm not listen. I, I didn't,
2: it and, it, and it's not right for all of us because any of us could be in a bad spot. Now look, some spots are worse than others. Sure. I'm not, others, I'm not I'm not naive, but there's also. Can we really examine what went down here and the totality of the person? And I'll stop there.
1: Oh, and I'm glad you did stop there because there's nothing else that needs to be said. You hit it right on the head. Week one, you have a hell of a game with Iron CBS Sports, Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Buffalo's that team that has been emerging, and they took a huge step last year. They're one of the top storylines this year in the AFC. When you look at that team right now, do you see any areas of concern where you go, ah, That's got to get a little bit better for them to go that next step.
2: Well, one of the things they they talked about in the offseason was increasing their pass rush. They didn't have a guy over, I think their leading sack guy last year was five, five five-and-a-half sacks. Now, sacks and you and I both know are not the the, the number. The number isn't the be-all, end-all. But they also didn't create the same pressure that mm-hmm. they wanted to create either. So they went out and drafted two guys right off the top, Greg Rousseau out of Miami and Carlos Basham out of Wake Forest. And both of them have done well in the preseason. They, they've liked what they've seen. Rousseau, I'm telling you, Grant, on the hoof, as we like to say, when you see a guy in person, you just go, ooh, my. <laughs> I mean, that, that did get that Daniil Hunter type of a build and that type of a get off. And, you know, I did have a, a, a longtime Buffalo Bills organization person who I trust implicitly tell me he's not there yet, but I see Jason Taylor in physique and play style. Wow. Wow. That's big, right? Yeah. So, so and he said, listen, don't you dare put my name on that yet, but I'm just telling him, this is what I've seen so far. I said, what about bathroom? He a great technician, really good with his hands, understands how, how to do things. Not quite the athlete Rousseau is, but that doesn't mean he's not an athlete. So, it's just extraordinary. Greg Rousseau was a safety. who mm-hmm. moved, moved to defensive end in college. So, you can see where that all comes from. But that's a big deal for them. That's one. You know what number two is? We can nitpick about the offense. Should they run it more? Do they do to do, do that? You know, we know all those things, Brad. Number two is very simply handling the mantle of you being the team now. Because they were still chasing New England last year, and they made sure everyone knew it. Like when I talked with Brandon being the GM, when I talked with Sean McDermott, the head coach. You know, they always said, I understand where you're coming from, Charles, when you think we're the quote-unquote favorites and blah, blah, blah. But do you realize we, Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, since we've been here, we're 0-6 against New England. Hmm. So until that changes, sure. there's nothing to talk about. And then they beat New England in that first game when I think it was Justin Zimmer for at a Ferris State. Knocked the ball out of Cam Newton's hands on the late drive by New England and Buffalo wins the game. That was a huge – get that specter of New England booming off of them, and that allowed them to go to the heights they did last year. So those are the big things now. You know, you're going to be the chase now. Sure. You are now the team. Everybody says, hey, you run the AFC East. When for the last 20 years. Every year we said it was New England.
1: And they have – Buffalo then goes to Miami in week two, and Miami opens yeah. up in New England. And the reason why I talk about Miami, I really – I love what Flores has done with this team. I think Tua takes a big step this year. They added on the wide receivers – I, am, I, I don't want to jump ahead and forget about week one, but I think we're going to learn a lot about the Dolphins in week two, depending on what happens, obviously, at New England. But I love that Buffalo-Miami matchup early in South Florida.
2: Oh, my God. What a great matchup, right? And, and you're exactly right about Miami, New England-Buffalo right out of the gate. But what you said about Tua is, is the part that we're all going to come back to. And it's funny how we started with quarterbacks. And the quarterbacks are just going to be the thread that we always sure. end up back to, right? It's the way the game's played. So last year, Tua, as much criticism as he got, one thing I want everyone to keep in mind, they had one of the greatest crutches in the history of crutches in the league in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. And because they were battling for a playoff spot, I think that Brian Flores is a head coach and Chris Greer is a GM. They got together with management and just said, look, What's best for Tua's is development is to actually play through everything. But if we have a chance to get to the playoffs, we can't look at the locker room. And if Tua's having a bad day, just say, guys, you got to live with it. When we can go to Ryan Fitzpatrick and try and win the game. And they came within one game of going to the playoffs. I understood it totally. The, the, the difficult part is Last year, they could have gotten some answers, some, some questions answered about two and fourth quarters and battling through some things that they didn't get answered. That this year, they're going to have to play through mm. no matter what. Because Jacoby Percet's there, and I like Jacoby Brissett, but they're not going to be as quick to go to him in the bullpen as they did last year Arrived
1: Ryan Fitzpatrick. I am so happy that you said exactly what you did because I think a lot of the fans don't think about this. All the players in the locker room know which guy gives them the best chance to win. And if you don't have the guy on the field that gives you the best chance to win, you've been in locker rooms before. You know what I'm talking about. You yep. can lose your locker room. That is a very fine line. And I don't think fans truly understand that. I'm really glad you brought that up.
2: Yeah, and, and Grant, look, be honest about it. And I think that to illustrate the point, if Miami last year is not in playoff contention, then I think when they make the move to Tua, they don't ever even call for Ryan Fitzpatrick unless Tua's hurt. Like they would just say, look, Tua, you were 17 for 43 today. <laughs> we sure. wanted to see how he handled it, period. But because they had a chance to make the playoffs, just like you said, you cannot, Brian Floyd can't go in front of his guys and say, I play the best players to give us the best chance to win. I play to win every week. And then two is you know, throwing the you know, throwing all over the lot and they're still in the game. Yet he's going to stay in even though he's struggling today. and and the hopes that he'll get out of it when, in fact, we have a guy who will come in and, for the most part, plays pretty well for us. A guy we benched when we had a winning record. Yeah, he couldn't do that, and I thought that was really mature as an organization, frankly, for a second-year head coach, for a GM to say, guess what? We know we're invested in uncle Tungabailoa, and he's going to be our guy in the future. We know that. But this team does have a chance to make the playoffs. We better give them every opportunity. I thought it was a very mature approach but the flip side is they didn't get a chance to really evaluate Tua in the really critical situation when he met let's say he didn't have his best stuff that day. And good pitchers in baseball? How many times did you see that growing up, Grant? Oh boy. A really great pitcher, struggling, but somehow battling, getting to the seventh or eighth inning, keeping his team in the game, even though it wasn't his best. That's what you that's what you need from your quarterback.
1: Charles, do you think the emphasis and the crackdown on taunting is going to have real issues, particularly early in the season. We know about an emotional game, you know, a quick, spontaneous outburst. Just look into your crystal ball. How do you think that's going to play out?
2: Well, I think it it, it may early in the season because everyone's so excited to get back and play, and we should have fans in the stands. You have that. So the emotions will, will be, I think, even a little more charged than normal in the beginning. But all these coaches are spending a lot of time talking about what this new rule is or, or the emphasis on it. Every team in the league has officials come and work their practices. And I'm talking about the NFL officials, not just the local guys you hire during the week for practice, right? Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the NFL officials work every camp, okay? Well, crews go everywhere. And then they sit and they have a presentation with the team. And they're telling them what the emphasis on taunting is. And, guys, we're really going to crack down on them preseason because once the season begins – we get graded on this stuff, too. Mm-hmm. So if we don't crack down on the taunting, we may not get to work the playoffs. We may not get a Super Bowl assignment. And you have forced us into this position, and they're trying to define what they're looking for. The hard part is, will it be consistent, Grant, from crew to crew to crew? You know, what What, what might set off this guy, will it Will it not set off this, 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 this woman who's officiating? Because I think we have, what, two, three women now in the officiating crews? So every year things change. What might set What might set off, you know, what might not set off her might set this other guy off. Now, what's our consistency along the way? I hope that they keep it where it's much more of I make the big play, I stand over the guy, I gyrate while he's lying on the ground. That's a flag. Sure. When I throw a little verbal trash his way, how how, how far am I going to go to throw a flag on that? Hey, hey, 22, get back to the huddle, you know? Right. And I think that's what folks are going to try to do. But if it's clear and obvious, they've got to throw the flag. I, I think that it'll happen early, and then it, then it won't be much of an issue, Grant, because you know something? The head coach is – the leeway for you getting a 15-yard taunting penalty mm-hmm. depends on your standing on the team.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right I about mean, that. Sure.
2: If, 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 you're, if you're me just hanging on to a roster spot – yeah. You could be gone like North Dallas 40 when stalling on <laughs> that block and they took it they took his nameplate out. You could be gone just like that for a taunting penalty if you're a superstar, coach will tell you not to do it again.
1: Mm another storyline that i can't wait to see evolve and i i'm not expecting failure i'm expecting the team to be very good or the green bay packers because of everything that's yeah. going on with aaron Rodgers and the front office and i'm you know again i don't expect them to get off to a slow start i look at the talent in that team and if aaron Rodgers is healthy they're going to win more than they're going to lose but boy could you imagine if they got off to a uh unusually oh. slow start this year
2: oh my god it would just i mean the whole narrative flips on its head right and you know, that, that's really what it comes down to because I don't know how you felt, Grant, but when Aaron Rodgers went in front of the media and gave his side finally after all these months of speculation and what have you, right? I don't think he could have handled it any better because there was no real emotion. Like, he wasn't, like, throwing things and, you know, his lip didn't quiver and his, and his mm-hmm. eyes didn't get red. And he had tears and, you know, I've been so mistreated because I don't think American public buys that at all. Nope. You look at his contract and go, like, you're not mistreated at all. But when he talks about communication, I want to win games. I, you know, you know, I just want to be able to do this, this, and this. And you know, if you'd ask me for my opinion on some guys to try and help us win games, I thought he, he laid it out as well as you can lay it out. And I think the round the league, the players all went. And especially when he said, you know, you might want to use me to recruit. Because I don't know if you've all been to Green Bay, but it isn't exactly a garden spot.
3: <laughs>
2: right? And, and I understood what he was saying. He doesn't. He's not putting Green Bay down. He loves Green Bay and the people and the support. But how many guys on a free agent visit, ooh, Green Bay? No, that's not what you're thinking. And now fans are going, yeah, yeah well, you should if you're thinking about winning. But remember, most guys are bringing wife, children, family, right? Sure. Lifestyle. Where am I going to live that winter? You know, all those things factor into it as well. And when your superstar quarterback's recruiting for you, that helps.
1: That's still on my bucket list. And I know you did a number of games there, particularly when you were with Fox. I mean, what is that like just going into that town on a Friday, preparing for a Sunday game and, and everything leading up to that? I mean, it's so unique, isn't it?
2: It really is. There's a reference to it. And there's also that aspect of if you are a huge college football fan, and, you know, a lot of people define themselves as college or NFL. Some mm-hmm. people, there's not much in between. But let's say you're a monster college football fan, and I'm going to take you to your first NFL game. To ease you into it, Green Bay is the perfect spot because it has a college feel to it in a lot of ways, minus marching bands. But that's how it feels, the tailgating and the people out and all the people around the stadium. And look, the place is a hundred thousand people. Sure, Green Bay is a hundred thousand people, and you're driving along the street, and all of a sudden there's Lambeau Field like in the middle of the neighborhood. You're like, "What? That's it?" <laughs> I mean, yep. that's how it feels. That's how I would do it if I was taking a college fan who's not invested in the NFL game. And I do think at that moment they go, "Oh," because you also have a stadium that's not all individual chairs like most pro stadiums. It's slats like a college stadium for the mo- for the most part. It's, it's an amazing place and. Yeah, I you know, there's an awe factor for me every single mm. time I land at that airport in Green Bay. Absolutely.
1: You've come a long way from New Paltz, my friend.
2: <laughs> but, dude, that's the truth, you <laughs> know. And I got a couple of friends from New Paltz that are my heroes that play golf, and my dad and my high school coach, Coach Ford, and the whole deal. You know, they're a little bit older. Boy, did I look up to them. And two of them are monster Green Bay fans. And, you know, Every time I get a Green Bay game, they're calling me like, oh, my God, what's it like? What is this? What is that? And fortunately, both of them have been able to get to a game in their lifetime. But one thing I'd love to do, I'd love to grab those two. I'd love to grab you. And the four of us have a Green Bay weekend on a game I watch. And as soon as we get through this pandemic, we've got to plan that, Grant.
1: I'm in. Well, you know how I feel about you. You're one of my favorites. You're such a class act. I am so genuinely genuinely happy for all of your success. And I, I just hope you have a fabulous season.
2: Well, I appreciate that very much, and then I feel the exact same way about you. Looking forward to continuing this friendship that, that that we've established over time, continuing to talk over the years, and all the best to the family.
1: Man, I absolutely love talking with Charles Davis. What a class act! One of my favorites. Absolutely, have so much respect for him. Incredible, incredible man. Now, our crowd ultra Q and A. Just go to crowdultra dot com. Sign up. Takes a minute. Maybe I'll answer your question right here on my podcast. Kevin asks, what are Vivek's strengths and weaknesses as owner of the Kings after eight years? What moves would you make if you had complete control of the Kings franchise? I know you don't like hypotheticals, but let's freaking play anyway. I'm not going to get into all of Vivek's strengths and weaknesses. I think one of his weaknesses is that he thinks he knows a lot more than he really does when it comes to basketball. And by that, and this is not that uncommon, by the way, I think owners... And when I mean owners, I think owners of professional franchises that have made millions and millions elsewhere in other lines of work think that you can run a franchise the same way you run your business. Well, you can't. It's totally different. And so I think that is a real big issue, not only with Vivek, but I think with other owners that I've worked with, and when I mean worked with and been around uh, in pro sports, I think it's a very common issue that you see. Uh, What moves would I make? The first move I would make is I would hire uh, Pete Youngman back and I would put him in charge 100% of everything to do with sports medicine in my franchise. That's the first thing that I would do. The second thing I would do is I would hand out a manual to every single employee that gets paid by the Sacramento Kings. And I would have a list of what we are all about and our goals and that everything that we do in the franchise is about winning. That's how Pat Riley has always done it and look at the success that Pat Riley has had. Whether you are a person that folds laundry in the locker room or whether you are the head coach or whether you are a secretary or whether you are the team's best player, you get a be- you get a manual. And in that manual, it tells you what is expected of you and what the goals are of the franchise. That's what I would do. That would be the second thing I would do. I want everyone in my franchise to understand that they are all working towards one common goal and that they truly are part of the family. And it doesn't matter whether you're making $10 million a year or you're on minimum wage. If you work for me, you will be treated with respect. You will be treated as a very important member of the team, and you will be treated as if you are very important to me. Those are some of the things uh, that I would do. There were many other things that I would do, but I would start with just some of those. Jerry wants to know, did you see the MLB is working on a new ball? So what is new? David wants to know, do you have any good mob stories from growing up in New York City? Well, I didn't grow up in New York City. I grew up on Long Island. David, have you been watching too many movies? I don't have any good mob stories from growing up in New York. Duncan asked, what do you think is the main reason for Tom Brady's longevity? I think it's just preparation, the way he approaches everything. I just think he's very unique uh, in that way. And he's been very lucky to avoid the real serious injury. Ryan asked, how do you think Dak will do this season? I think like everyone else, it's really dependent on his health. Uh, I'm not as crazy about Dak as everyone else. Do I think he's a good quarterback? Yes, I just don't think he makes the plays when they're there to be made in the big moments. And until he does, I'm still not going to be a huge Dak Prescott fan as a quarterback. Again, I think he's good. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's great. Sam asks, does uh, Shaq rather thinks he's the fourth best center of all time? Where would you rank him? I don't know how I can rank him, Sam. It's a very good question. He's in the conversation though, Sam. I mean, if you're going to talk about great centers of all time, you have to put him in the conversation. Ian asked, were you in a frat in college? Yes, I was a Fidel, Fidel to Theta at Bowling Green. Uh, John or Jacob asked, are coaches and GMs underpaid in comparison to players in pro sports? No. I think a lot of coaches and GMs are paid very well. I mean, look at John Gruden. Maybe that's an extreme. But, uh, you know, most coaches are making over a million a year. That's not underpaid. GM, same. No, I don't think that they're underpaid uh, at all. Steven asked, did you catch... Ben Zobrist weirdly dropping his lawsuit against a pastor who slept with his wife. Stephen, who the hell cares? Why would you care about that? Like, that interests you? Why would that interest you for? Seriously. Logan asked, would you be content if you never call the game again? That's a great question, Logan. I've never really thought about that. Content is a very, very big word for only having seven letters. That's a fabulous question. Um, I would love to call games again or a game again would i be content Mm. i'd have to really think about that but that's a fabulous question gary wants to know which rookie quarterback has impressed you most in preseason i'd probably say mac jones i haven't watched all of them so i got to be fair here but i really like what i've seen from mac jones uh and the patriots and don't be surprised if he starts real soon I really like that. Kevin asked, why did you choose to be a Giants fan instead of a Jets fan? Well, I had season tickets growing up as a kid. Our family did with the Giants and the Jets. I think a lot depends on who your dad roots for. My dad was a big New York Giants fan, so I was a big New York Giants fan, just like my two boys, you know, Trent and Chase. Same thing. They're West Coast kids, but uh, they're Giants fans. Why? Uh, Because of me. Sam wants to know if I like the changes going on at NCAA football conferences. It's not a matter of liking or not liking, Sam. I understand the question. It's inevitable. I think you're going to have four super conferences. Mm, Time will tell because we haven't gotten there yet. So I I, I can't say whether I like it or don't like it right now. You know, We'll see. It's a very good question, though. I I just have to wait and see how it's all going to unfold. Kevin asked, do you think it's good or bad idea to name the starting quarterback – before the start of the season why not i, I don't think it's a bad idea jackson asked have you ever attended an mls game i have not i've been in many sacramento republic matches but i have not been to an mls match all right let's move along here neil asked what's your take on rachel nichols being removed from espn and all nba programming neil check out my rant from yesterday Jake wants to know, do I believe Del Curry is saying his wife cheated on him with Steven Johnson? Well, she's actually come out and uh, affirmed, commit or confirmed, not affirmed, confirmed that that is accurate. I don't know if she did it before their separation. She then in return talked about Dell cheating throughout their entire marriage. It's really unfortunate how this has become so public. Uh, it really is. Rob wants to know if I'm a fan of stand-up comedy, yes, I am. Andrew wants to know if Clay Thompson, if I think he'll come back to be the player that he once was. You know, I really hope so, Andrew. I'm a huge Klay Thompson fan. Still to this day, best single performance I've ever seen. 37 points in the third quarter years ago when I was doing the Kings and the Warriors. Still the greatest performance that I've ever seen. Are you going to see the U play this season, Tom wants to know? Tom, the answer to that question is no. No, I'm not. I am not. Phil asked, do we think the Dodgers could win the World Series this year? Of course they could. Why would you say that they couldn't? I mean, if you make the playoffs, you can win the World Series, right? Isn't that true? And they're going to be in the playoffs. Don't know if they're going to win the division or if they are going to be a wild card, but they're going to be in the playoffs. So, yes, of course they could.
0: It's time for rant, rant,
1: rant, rant. Today's rant is brought to you by the Home Theater Company. Audio, video, and home theater. Just go online. HomeTheaterCompany.com. How about Buffalo Bills wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie? He and Cole Beasley yesterday were fined for violating the NFL's COVID-19 protocol. Now, McKenzie went one step further. He tweets out a picture of the letter that was sent to him by the NFL in which it had multiple documented violations of the COVID protocol on there, right? And then he puts on the Twitter page, they got me at NFL, you win. How stupid can you be? You're not vaccinated, all right? And according to the league's letter, you failed to wear a mask in the team facility on multiple occasions on Wednesday. Not once, but multiple occasions occasions while walking through the indoor field house into the training room in the meeting area of the weight room while gathering near other players what the hell are you thinking about you know what if you don't want to get vaccinated don't get vaccinated i'm done with that i mean teach each their own i'm vaccinated i have no problem letting people know i'm vaccinated but if you're not going to be vaccinated are you saying you don't give a damn about your teammates and your cavalier attitude it's only about you 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 and how about cole beasley and what he put on social media after that pretty amazing. He said, don't worry, they got me too. But I was wearing a mask when I was in close contact with fully vaxxed trainer who tested positive and still got sent home. So what's the point of the mask anyways? Meanwhile, I'm here still testing negative and can't come back. Make it make sense. Hey, I'm not saying it's got to make sense. But what I'm saying is the rules are the rules. And if you're not going to get vaccinated and you're going to walk around the facility without a mask on, and then you're going to put the letter on social media and talk about the NFL got you again. You win. How stupid are you? Seriously, you think that fans are going to look, to look at that and side with you? No, they're not going to side with you. They're going to not side with you at all. Here's a paragraph from the NFL's letter. Your conduct is expressly prohibited by the protocols. Again, your conduct potentially compromised not only your safety, but also the safety of others, as well as the league's ability to ensure that your club's training camp is conducted in a safe manner. So, idiot of the week, Bills wide receiver, Isaiah McKenzie. And that is my rant for today. And that's my podcast for today. Really appreciate you joining me. And if you listen via Apple Podcasts, it would mean the world to me if you take a moment and please rate the podcast. Make it a fabulous weekend. And thank you so much for checking us out right here. If you don't like that, with Grant Napier.